One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast, and I'm Sadie Eck. And I'm Courtney Eck. And we are your hosts, and we are sisters, and we are going to tell you a terrible tale. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's terrible. It's infuriating. It's sad. It's what we're all here for. There you go. So we're happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that? <laughs> I feel like we're like an ad for Cracker Barrel or something. No, I was thinking of murder. Fun. What's that PBS show with the bubbles, the music variety show? Oh, the God. old one, Lawrence Welk. Yes, yes, <laughs> we are the Lawrence Welk of murder. <laughs> That's what I'm ch- Welcome. channeling. Welcome. <laughs> so happy to have you guys. This is awful. <laughs> oh, take it away, Court. I will take it away. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Never seen that show in my life. Oh, it's so good. Um, So today's story is, I'm calling it the murder tree, also known as the murder of Charlotte Grabby. Oh. So today's story takes place in 1981 in Marshall, Illinois, which is a small town on the banks of the Wabash River. Marshall was a farming community, mostly growing vast fields of corn and soy, and the biggest landowners in town were Fred and Charlotte Grabby, who were quite well off thanks to their family farm, which they worked alongside their daughter, son, and daughter-in-law. Their daughter, son, and daughter-in-law. Yes. Okay. Grown go, grown children, right. one of whom was married to okay. a, a woman. <laughs> and you said Illinois? Yes, Marshall, okay. Illinois. Okay. Just want to make sure I'm all caught up. You Good. <laughs> <laughs> On the facts. <laughs> That's far. those days man i know i know i think we're all there it's 23 days before the election we're like so what is a (laughs) daughter-in-law i know it's fine it'll all come back after the election i promise yes so on top of the wealth they'd amassed through the farm charlotte also received a substantial inheritance so their assets at the time were well into the six figures which was a significant amount of money in the early 80s yeah. I think it was probably um, three and a half trillion with compared <laughs> to taste. I mean, if you made six figures in the 80s, yeah. You As were a set. farmer? I mean, that's 
Yes. That's pretty amazing. Fred was a massive man, coming in at six foot four inches tall and 300 pounds, while Charlotte was very petite. Upon first meeting, everyone described Fred as very nice, polite, and fun to be around, and Charlotte was a workaholic, working from sunup to sundown, and she wasn't afraid to drive a tractor and cultivate the crops they grew. Fred also put in a ton of time working on the family farm. Their daughter Jenny had been a cheerleader and a straight-A student, and their son Jeff was a handsome football player. From afar, they seemed like the perfect American family. Mm. How many times has a true crime story started with that sentence? I think this is the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, they're all just like crazy with scraggly hair and wild eyes? No. Nope. Turns out not. Turns out most of the time they're the perfect American family. Yep. Fred and Charlotte's marriage had its ups and downs. And interestingly, the couple actually divorced soon after they married and later reconciled and got married again. It's said that Fred had an eye for younger women and so wasn't always the most faithful partner to Charlotte. Then again, in 1981, Charlotte asked for another divorce Mm -hmm. and Fred moved out of the large main house and into the smaller house on their property while they sorted things out. Charlotte had learned that Fred was having another affair, this time with 24-year-old Vicki McAllister, who was a local bartender. Hmm. Vicki was young, not known to be the most motivated person, and didn't have a very good reputation around town. I'm sure she was perfectly fine, but it was 1981, so any woman working in a bar has got some loose morals. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. She was probably, like, studying to be a doctor or something, for all we know. Yeah, she just liked to drink whiskey, which back then wasn't a lady's drink. (laughs) Exactly. Still not. Ew. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Totally kidding. On July 24th, 1981, Charlotte left the house to work on the farm, as was her typical routine, and this time she was heading out to cultivate soybeans. Her kids became concerned when she didn't return home by dinner time like she did every other day, and they searched for her on the farm where they expected her to be, but there was no sign of her. At this point, they knew something was probably seriously wrong, so they contacted the police. Police spoke to Fred, who said that he'd spoken to Charlotte earlier that day near a storage shed, and that their conversation had gotten heated. Mm-hmm. Fred said he left Charlotte in the shed to get away from the argument, but she'd pursued him in her car until she veered off and got on the interstate. That was the last time he claimed to have seen her, and his story remained the same as police continued to question him in coming days. Police searched the shed where the argument had occurred and found Charlotte's lunchbox with her uneaten lunch inside. They also found her purse, driver's license, and migraine medication in the shed, which increased their concern that something bad had happened to Charlotte. In another development, a friend and neighbor said she saw Charlotte's car following Fred's truck earlier in the day, but that she didn't think Charlotte had actually been driving the car. She recalled seeing a blonde, curly-haired woman driving the car in her place, and it couldn't have gotten them confused as Charlotte had short, straight, dark hair. Oh. A few days later, Charlotte's car was located outside a bar across the river in Terre Haute, Indiana. Mm. There was no evidence of blood or a struggle but police did find a fully loaded handgun under the seat. Police learned that leading up to her disappearance, Charlotte made her children promise they'd go looking for her if she wasn't home by 4.30 p.m. every night as she was beginning to fear for her safety. Fred and Charlotte's daughter, Jenny, recalled that Fred was known to have, quote, fits of rage for seemingly no reason at all, 
and that he generally focused his rage towards his wife, occasionally lashing out at his children. Well, you know, I feel like, I don't know, I want to research. What's the best course of action for people when they feel so afraid for themselves mm-hmm. that they're making plans? Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the first time we've talked about this. And no, I just, it's like the 750th time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what can we put in place for people? Guard. They guard. Have that, yeah. You know, guards. but it's like. Armed well, guards. <laughs> I know. And there's no, there's really no option. It's like you try to maintain the peace until you get out of it. You hope he gets distracted. You hope he doesn't do something crazy in the meantime. Right. Right. You can't like arrest somebody on your suspicion feeling, right mm-hmm. that they're gonna hurt you but armed just guards. wish it was Ooh, falcons remember that oh yeah yep yes. from way back in the day uh, eye plucking yeah eye plucking retali- retaliatory falcons protective yes. falcons and retaliatory falcons yes or you need like a burn a doodle like i have b dog she just like ryan tries to hug me or like mm-hmm. she she hates that shit so much <laughs> She's the affection police and she'll squeeze her way between and like lean on me so that I can't be near him. Yeah. But then she just gives affection in right. Like (laughs) as a result of affection. So yeah, it doesn't work quite. It's not going to be quite as effective with a (laughs) six foot four, 300 pound Uh lunatic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) nice try. (laughs) Maybe if she carried the falcon. Um, it would just be cute and yeah. sort of attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a beautiful dog. She's anyway. a gorgeous dog. So yeah, the answer is there is no answer, unfortunately. Yeah. So Jenny recalled one instance where she heard yelling outside and found her brother and father physically fighting. The fighting escalated to the point that Fred took his son by the sides of his head and bashed his head into the fender of his pickup truck. Oh no. Yeah, that's awful. Bad fighting, Yes. Quote, my brother was hospitalized one time and we were told to make up stories. Tell the doctor he fell out of the hayloft. No. Yeah. Don't do that. Jenny also later learned that Fred was 19 and Charlotte was 15 on their first date. Charlotte revealed that Fred had actually raped her that night and she'd gotten pregnant. Oh, no. Considering there were very few resources for rape in the 1950s or for women in general, Charlotte had no other recourse but to marry her rapist and start a family. Uh, uh. Uh-huh. And now she's got to try to get out of her rapist family. Uh, I'm sick to my stomach. I know. I know. And the crazy thing is I have a friend that that happened to. She grew up in the Mormon religion, and so it's still happening. Oh, yeah. Women are still encouraged to marry the rapists. Not cool, guys. No. The opposite no. of cool. Right. Well, constantly blamed for being raped. and ugh. Yeah. Yes. It's disgusting. Yeah. Police also learned that Charlotte had written a few letters just 10 days before she disappeared, which she locked in a safe deposit box, and they were disturbed by what they read in the letters. She claimed Fred had stolen some farm equipment and said that, quote, she didn't think she would live through a divorce. She said that she was afraid of Fred and his friend and business associate, Dale Kessler. Police interviewed Dale, and he said he was home the night she disappeared and that Fred had actually been there with him. Later, when a grand jury asked Fred where he'd been that night, he invoked the Fifth Amendment and refused to say anything. Unfortunately, without a body or evidence of any kind, the investigation stalled and Charlotte remained just another mysterious missing person. 
Her children posted a $25,000 reward, but her case remained cold for the next three years. Wow. I can't imagine. No. No. Especially knowing that it's probably your father who did it, and there's no way of proving it, and you still have to be in a family with this fucking monster. It's awful. <laughs> like, what are you, you know, what are you going to yeah. say? It's so yeah. bad. I can't yeah. imagine. Charlotte's daughter, Jenny, became obsessed with finding her mother, worried that she could still be alive and that no one was trying to find her. Thoughts of solving her case plagued her day and night to the point that it was all she ever really thought about. She knew that if the roles were reversed, Charlotte would never give up, and so she hired a private detective, Charles Pearson, in 1984 to help her find her mother. Good. Yes. Pearson learned that Fred and his girlfriend, Vicki McAllister, had recently broken up, so he started by tracking her down to question her. Mm-hmm. I like that. I do, too. Very good timing. Pearson knew there were two things Vicky liked to do, quote, drink beer and play pool. So I started going to the bars in the area and doing both. I met her and we became friendly. Pearson said that Vicky was very anxious to discuss her life and relationship during the time she was with Fred, and he was able to use her anxiety to coax out the horrific secret of what happened to Charlotte on the day she went missing. Quote, work, man. I know. I love it. Love private detectives. Me too. Quote, he likened Vicky's reaction to the opening of a floodgate. Information poured out. Yes, Vicky had driven Charlotte's car that day, and that wasn't all she had done. No. Vicky claimed she stopped by the farm to borrow a steel drum to haul some trash. The drum was stored in a barn where Fred claimed he'd last seen Charlotte on the day she disappeared. Charlotte happened to drive up while Vicky was there, and Fred urgently told her to hide behind a tractor so his wife wouldn't see her. Charlotte and Fred immediately started arguing, and the fight quickly escalated to violence. Trigger warning, guys. It's about to get real gnarly. So there's some sexual assault and just horrible murder. So skip ahead if that doesn't sound like something you want to hear. Vicky watched as Fred began to choke Charlotte, intermittently letting up on the pressure so that she could regain consciousness and then would start the process all over again. Oh, no. I know. That's just... That's one of my worst things, people that do that. It's fucking torture. Vicky said Fred made horrible comments to Charlotte the entire time he was choking her, and then eventually she stopped breathing. Once he was sure Charlotte was dead, he proceeded to sodomize her. (sighs) Once his nightmarish attack was over, he took a grease gun and filled every orifice of her body with grease to make it more flammable. Oh, no. After filling the mother of his children with flammable grease... He put her in the steel barrel, and he and Vicky headed toward the Wabash River. Imagine your boyfriend just strangled, sodomized, and greased his wife. And you're like, let's go. Cool. Yeah. I'm in. No. mm -mm. And then stayed with him for like three more years. Right. Once night had fallen, Vicky watched as Fred doused his wife in diesel fuel and lit Charlotte's body on fire. They watched as her body burned all night long to the point that only her skull remained, which Fred threw in the Wabash River while commenting that it would, quote, make great fish food. He then rolled the barrel into the river where it sunk, hiding any remaining evidence. What a sadist, man. Yeah, he's a son of a bitch. He's a sick, sick, sick monster. Also to just do that, just know to do that, you know? 
that's a really good way to dispose of a body. And the fact that he just came up with that on the fly or had thought of it, I don't know. That's right. diabolical. That's not like common knowledge of disposing of a body, you know? No, I would never think, oh, I'm going to fill the body with flammable material. Ugh, <laughs> the Grabby's daughter, Jenny, said that she was horrified and overwhelmed by Vicky's recounting of her mother's gruesome death and that it took her several days for the reality to even begin to set in. I, I can't imagine. No, 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 no. The I, reality in my mind isn't setting in and she's not my mother. No, you know, no like, person should ever have to die like that, especially no. at the hands of your father. No. The main issue with Vicky's account was that it came after Fred had ended their relationship. And so, of course, she wasn't the most credible witness because she very well could have made the whole thing up to get back at Fred for breaking her heart. Fred had promised Vicky that she'd live the life of luxury and enjoy the things that come with living an upper middle class life, and she was devastated that it hadn't come true. And as I mentioned before, she also wasn't the most respected person in town, and Fred was a more successful farmer that was generally well-liked. In exchange for her testimony, however, Vicky was offered total immunity, relocation, and a new identity. Wow. To top it all off, if Fred was convicted, Vicky would be eligible to receive the $25,000 reward Charlotte's children had posted. What? Yeah, which is a no son of a bitch kind of thing. No, that's mm. not okay. Mm-mm. No. There needs to be some sort of like stipulation in there. Right? Like you can yeah. get the reward if you give us the information, but not if you sort of participated in the murder. No, I mean, she's totally... Complicit. Yes. But... She disposed of the body and yeah. held on to it for... Ugh. Didn't call the police, no. didn't intervene, she, no, didn't do she, anything. No. So Vicky's testimony was certainly damning, but police knew it would still be very hard to convict Fred without any hard evidence of the alleged murder. Vicky took police to where she claimed the crime had occurred. She brought them to the banks of the Wabash River and didn't have any trouble finding the exact spot because she recalled burning Charlotte's body under a very mature maple tree that was easy to find. Police searched but didn't find a single scrap of hard evidence or Charlotte's remains. But in a moment of divine inspiration, the sheriff at the time offhandedly wondered if maybe there was some way they could find evidence of petroleum products from the burned diesel fuel in the soil around the burn site. Hmm. Smarty pants. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Wabash River rises frequently and floods the banks, so any trace of diesel fuel would have been long washed away. They tested the soil anyway, and the test came back negative for petroleum products. Bummer. But the stroke of genius did, however, lead them to something that could tell them if petroleum products were present, and that was the very large maple tree that canopied the burn site. Arborist Russ Carlson said, quote, Trees make excellent history books because they show us when events occurred nearby the tree. They can explain to us exactly when different events happened. In spring and summer, a tree's roots work to transport water and nutrients from the soil through the trunk and into the branches where they, quote, fuel the growth of very large cells. The tree goes dormant in late summer and fall and produces smaller, less dense cells during that time. This cycle is what produces the tree's rings, which hold the history of the tree, the tree's age, and potentially the area surrounding it. Hmm. Isn't that cool? So cool. <laughs> Knowing this... Police and arborists wondered if they'd be able to tell if the tree had absorbed diesel fuel when Charlotte's body was burned. I love it when people are smart. So smart. So smart. 
Arborist Russ Carlson explained that diesel fuel is toxic to trees, so would likely slow cell growth and adversely affect the tree's growth. Investigators cut five branches from the tree, and when they counted back through the tree's rings, they found that in 1981, the growth of the tree had dramatically slowed compared to previous years. Hmm. The rings from 1981 were visibly much smaller, and to determine exactly why, they ground pieces from each branch into sawdust. Oh, we got a good name coming up. There's two really good names in the story. They gave the sawdust to Dr. Donald Dickerson. Yes. Cutest and most fun so name cute. to say. Dr. Dickerson. Dr. Donald Dr. Dick, Dr. Don Don Dickerson, who is an... <laughs> he was a cartoon character. I know. I mean, I don't want to disrespect this organic no, chemist because I'm no. not an organic chemist and I shouldn't be infantilizing people who are, but it's just so fun to say Dr. Don Don Dickerson. So Don Don Dickerson is an organic chemist who dissolved the sawdust and injected it into a gas chromatograph. The results of the test indicated the presence of hydrocarbons, which are, quote, compounds indicative of petroleum products. Hmm. And of all of the branches they cut down, only two showed traces of the compounds, and they were the branches that had grown on the side of the tree where Charlotte's body had been burned. Wow. Russ Carlson explained that some trees are better at carrying material laterally or around the entire tree, but maples maintain, quote, direct columns between the roots and the branches above. Holy shit. I have I a know. maple tree that's half dead and half alive, and that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Holy shit. It so grows up and down, not around. Yeah. Isn't wow. that cool? So cool. So these findings backed up Vicky's claims that Charlotte's body had been in fact burned and discarded in that exact location. Based on this evidence, police were finally able to arrest Fred Grabby and charge him with his poor wife's murder. Wow. I'm a, I'm kind of surprised that that was possible. I know. Yeah. I know. Because, I mean, it sounds awesome, but... Yeah. Like, could you grind up a bunch of different trees everywhere and they would test... Hey, it's 1985. People were dazzled by this, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm dazzled by it. I'm like dazzled said, by it too. Yeah. I mean, just, I'm just curious. <laughs> no, I totally, I thought the same thing. Like, it does seem like a bit of a stretch, but it's really freaking smart. It's yeah. so smart that it's dazzling, so it doesn't really matter. And right. also, Fred Grabby's a fucking monster. So, well, clearly. Yeah, it's pretty clear. So, Vicki shared her horrifying account of Charlotte's murder at the hands of Fred in exchange for immunity. And Fred's daughter-in-law, here comes the other great name, Cindy Pancake. (laughs) There are really people out there with the last name Pancake? I'm so jealous of the name Cindy Pancake. Seriously. Don Don Dickerson and Cindy Pancake live in a mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) A toadstool. So good. It's such a good name. Wow. And there's this next sentence that's so, it doesn't have any, you know, it doesn't really actually add much, but I had to use her name, Cindy Pancake. So So check this out. Cindy Pancake said she hadn't learned about the tree playing such an integral part of his arrest until she heard the account in court. See, it doesn't add anything to the story, but I'm just like, she she popped up. This is an episode of Forensic Files, of course, because it's like amazing forensics and... 
yeah, her name popped up and she's just like, I didn't even hear anything about the tree. And I was like, going in the episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's what they were saying. They were like, hmm, who knows about this case? And then Cindy Pancake walks in and they're like, what do you know about it? She's like, nothing. And they're like, you're on film. (laughs) Cindy Pancake, your name's amazing. (laughs) They're like, did we get anything good from Cindy Pancake? And they're like, not really. Like she did say she didn't know anything about the tree until court, and they're like, "Good enough, gotta get, <laughs> gotta yeah. get her." In there. She should be famous. She should be famous. Does wonder, anybody out there know anybody with the last name Pancake? Is Cindy Pancake out there? Does she have a Facebook account? Will I'll look it up at the end of this episode. So you want to can... get be Cindy Sadie Pancake, which is <laughs> yeah, even I mean, cuter than Cindy yes. Pancake. Yeah, dang it. <laughs> Uh, Don Don Dickerson, Dr. Don Don Dickerson can officiate. Uh, please. <laughs> so, back to this <laughs> horrifying murder. Oh. It was also revealed that Frank's motive for murder was, of course, money. He wasn't interested in splitting assets with Charlotte, especially considering the bulk of their assets were from her inheritance. Specifically, most of the farmland legally belonged just to her, and so Fred stood to lose a ton of money in the divorce. It was like an 800 acre farm and she owned almost all of it. Hmm. After deliberation, Fred Grabby was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. But do you think that's where the story ends? No, it doesn't end there. As if the story wasn't strange and convoluted enough, Fred's new girlfriend Barbara Graham, who is a 26-year-old twice-divorced mother of three, decided to pack a gun, head down to the prison, and attempted to break Fred free. Holy shit, that is a lot of life to live at 26 years old. Right? Twice-divorced. Twice-divorced. Mother of three, murderer, boyfriend, gonna go bust him out. Wow. The chief of police at the time described the incident, quote, it was about 1.45 on the morning of July 7th, 1985, he said, when Graham showed up at the jail and told Deputy Sheriff Mike Davidson she wanted to deliver a love note to Fred. Mm. When Davidson opened the door, she shot him in the leg. It's 1.45 in the morning. You cannot no. come into the prison and deliver a love note. No. You guys, the 80s were the fucking craziest time. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, there were no visiting hours in the 80s. <laughs> no, basically. You're just a free-for-all. Hey, I just miss him. Come on wow. in. Come okay. on in, Barb. Yes. Wow. And this is prison, not jail, right? Correct. He's in prison. Yes. Wow. Correct. Graham fired four other shots, one of which tore through the uniform trouser leg of Deputy Sheriff Sharon Davison. Davison, however, crouched on the floor and radioed for help. Marshall police rushed to the jail and helped subdue Barbara. <laughs> she just thought she was going to go blazing with a gun. <laughs> yes. Like... She went blazing in there. They said that Fred had encouraged her to practice using the gun, which she clearly didn't practice <laughs> enough. They also said she was like madly, madly in love with him. And he bought her a mink coat. And what? at his pretrial hearings, she kept showing up wearing her mink coat, like acting. Uh, yes. She just thought she was the shit. She was super excited about her super rich fuck? boyfriend. And somehow she thought she could bust him out and it would all be okay. Wow. People are just stupid They're sometimes. Stupid. I mean, at 26, I would have done something similar. I was no, so you wouldn't. dumb. I was so no. stupid. No. But you, you would have like had one extra shot of 
tequila or something. You wouldn't have been like... Sadie, I hate to bring it to you. I would do that at 41, so... <laughs> well, I just mean, like, not that much has changed for you, but you you wouldn't go busting people out of prison now know. or then. I was slightly sociopathic in my 20s. Because you are. You're, everyone's, like, slightly sociopathic in their early mid-20s. You just... You know, life just gets the best of you sometimes and you make really stupid decisions. I mean, that is an extremely stupid decision, but you could see how if somebody had a slightly lower IQ than you or I, they would be like, pew, 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 mink coat. Yeah, it's worth it. I self-centered. I think 20-year-olds can be self-centered and maybe dumb, but... I think, I think there's a little bit of sociopathy happening because you will just break a heart. No prob. You know, you'll just walk no. away from someone you love and no, cheat I on them. I wouldn't. No, I you wouldn't. Not. But that you quote. Yeah. Ju- yes, most people would. Right. Yeah. You're. Yeah. You were. You were on the like baby train. The rest of us <laughs> were on the look at me train. <laughs> I'm so sorry to any of my exes who are listening. You are all wonderful people. So back to Barb shooting up the prison oh right mm-hmm. <sighs> so in the end she served 16 years in prison for her crimes three children wow 16 years in prison to try to get her stupid boyfriend out wow so t- i mean it, ke- not- it keeps going the story keeps going i have a lot more <laughs> what so two months well not a lot but there's a lot more that happened why two- Two months after that, the home that Fred and Charlotte had lived in together, as well as the home their children had built nearby, both burned to ashes. No. Yes. That's not cool. You'll be super surprised to learn that both fires had been deliberately set, and police were pretty damn sure Fred Grabby orchestrated both fires somehow. Fred, just be quiet and stop it. He can't. He's a monster. But how... I mean, he's got to just be so manipulative to talk people like he doesn't have access to his money anymore right? no no but he's, he's just like calling in favors yeah could yes. you imagine like here's a call from the Terre Haute <laughs> prison or whatever like hey can you hey Kurt burn my house down for me please yes what you will you burn both of my houses down for me be like Fred they're definitely gonna know that that was just like no just burn them both please why? Nah, because. Because. There's no reason. Just because. No, like, I'm in here for the rest of my life. I mean, his children did testify against him, but yes. Wow. He's an asshole. So that's not even the end of it. Did they figure out who burned the houses down? No. No. Wow. So as if all of that wasn't cool enough on its own, Fred's defense team appealed his sentence, and on a technicality, Fred was actually granted a new trial. Wow. Two months before the trial was scheduled to begin, Fred's son, Jeff, who had testified against him at the first trial, was found dead <gasps> of three bullet wounds to the head and chest. Oh, no. Yes. His body was found floating in a harbor in California. And again, many people believe Fred called for his son's murder to keep him from testifying against his loving father once again. Wow. Police claim Jeff's murder was drug-related, and they reject claims that Fred could have had anything to do with it. But it does seem like that would be something this motherfucker would do. Well, totally. Right? Yes. 
So, thank the gods and goddesses, Frank's second trial went the same route as the first, and he was again convicted of Charlotte's murder and sentenced to 75 years in prison. Good. Yeah, he will be up for parole in 2022, actually. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's real soon. (laughs) I know. So, Vicki McAllister claimed her $25,000 reward and then happily relocated at the state's expense, scared to death that Fred would manage to somehow enact his revenge against her from behind prison walls. And the fact that she was able to get out of there before he did was pretty remarkable. Yeah. You know? Well, the fact that he let her live anyway. It's true. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So sadly, no one has ever been charged with Jeff Grabby's murder, and Charlotte's remains have never been found. No. Jenny hasn't spoken to her father since he was charged in 1985 with her mother's death. Quote, he has absolutely no remorse, she said. None. Of her mother, she said, quote, I miss her a lot. I feel like I'm the only one left, even though my dad is alive. My husband comes from a good family, and he and his relatives and my kids, they keep me going. Oh, Jenny. And that is the story of how trees solve murders <laughs> wow uh, wow uh-huh. I, when families explode like that i just i cannot imagine no no to be the kid that was born to rape and then this like awful violent family and then to be really rich and successful too And so nobody's ever going to pay attention to what's going on in your house or probably ever do anything about it because your dad's so humongous and powerful. Yep. You know? Yuck, man. Yuck. No, thank you. There's a a good one. Thanks. I know. It's so interesting. And it just goes on and on. I I looked to see if there was more information about Jeff Grabby's murder, but I couldn't find any. But it just seems like this family, you could just do endless stories about them because they're so... Where was that in the uh, Forensic Files seasons, like earlier episodes? I feel like it was an earlier episode, yeah. Yeah. It was a, wow. Yeah. I caught the, it's, again, I caught the tail end of it. I was like, ha, oh, what? Like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. I think a bunch of the original Forensic Files are on Netflix now, right? Don't know. I just watch ID like 24 hours a day. So, yes, probably. Yeah, it's on there. Yep. <laughs> Forensic Files is, because they're short, too, it's always the, oh, let's watch this while we wait for the other thing to come on. So even yeah. if it's there's only 22 minutes left, you know you're still going to get the whole story. So it's, totally. a, it's a good one to pop in over on and get yeah. some science, get some knowledge. It's soothing. It's, oh, I love his voice. I actually I watched, too. Laura and I were watching um, oh, some documentary recently, and he narrated it, and we were both like, ah, oh, <laughs> love him. <laughs> I really do, too. (laughs) I want to see what he looks like. Do you have any idea what he looks like? Well, I'm picturing... The man I'm picturing is... uh, He's the host of... It's like American Justice or something. One of the early 2000s. Oh. I don't think it's him, but I'm picturing like a... An older man with white hair. Yeah. Me, too. Oh, my God. He's so old. Peter Addenbrook Thomas. I'm looking him up. Oh, no. Did he die? He died in 2016. Oh, no. Oh, he did Nova, too. That's why we love him so much. Mm. Anyone who can narrate Nova. Oh, R.I.P. Yep, he's exactly what you picture him to be. 
What else? Oh, Cindy Pancake. I got to see what Cindy Pancake's up to. Oh, yeah, that's not who I'm thinking of, but wow. Yeah. Holy shit, you guys. There's so many Cindy Pancakes out there. <laughs> oh, I hope. <gasps> I, Somebody, Cynthia Pancake Pecoraro. Pecoraro? Cynthia Pancake Pecoraro. So wow. Cindy Pancake with an S. Cindy Pancake with a Y. There's so many Cindy Pancakes. I'm oh, so please. jealous. Who out there has the last name Pancake? Yeah, does anybody know any pancakes? Are you a pancake? Because I seriously need to figure out how to become one. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't just, think I'm going to... You can marry one of the boys off to a pancake, and then you'll, your grandchildren will be pancakes. I mean, I... S- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they do it like I did, just keep my last name and then... Give it to my kids. kids. Uh, You'll have to insist on it. I'll be like, no, I don't care that we are the end of the lineage. Gave you you my last name so you can carry on the lineage. (laughs) (laughs) We were meant. We were meant to be pancakes. We were meant to be pancakes. (laughs) This is our destiny. I'll change my last name if one of the boys marries a pancake and has children that are pancakes. I will legally change my last name to pancake. I'm pretty sure Laura would do the same. I mean, I think we should all do it. It should just be a world full of pancakes. Oh, my God. How fun would it just be to say all the time? Like, what's your last name? What's your first name? Courtney, what's your last name? Pancake? Pancake. It's so fun to say pancake. It really is. It just makes you feel a little lighter in your day. Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that she got that two seconds talking about how she didn't know about the tree until the the court hearing. I'm so glad you saw the end so you could see that so that we could all know about her. I was like, like, oh, I hope that she says something else. Nope. All right. I got to put that in there. The world needs to know. So Jenny, if you're listening, I'm so sorry that you have such a horrible family, but she looked like she was doing a okay. She's beautiful. She has great hair. She good family. Yes, that she built. She, yes, she seemed very much. I, I think that that you know she gave, she came across as somebody who had received closure by solving her mother's murder and putting yeah. her father in jail. So that's got to yeah. feel pretty badass to have done that. And that's kind of the air that she portrays. So totally. So sorry mm-hmm. though, Jesus God, that is too much. Too much. You know, I think that you know you when you do true crime stuff when you're into it like we are the difference in listening to all these horrible people that do like the worst things next to these strong fucking badass mm-hmm. people who just take their power back and yep you know i just i appreciate that part of it absolutely so much. yes i totally watching agree. people be strong and smart and yeah I totally agree I could not agree more. Yeah, because to deal with monsters, you have to be a hero. And mm-hmm. so there are so many heroes in these stories, too. Yep. Ugh. Yuck. Well, do you have any businesses? Yes, I have a really good business, actually. So somebody sent us an email that they were listening to our episode about Anna Brown and Edith Rodriguez, um, mm-hmm. which if you haven't heard that episode yet, it's about their just absolutely horrifying deaths in hospitals. Like They went to the hospital to receive treatment and were given treatment and died as a result. And she said that she went to the doctor for a blood clot and the doctor wouldn't treat her 
and she knew that she was that she was experiencing a blood clot partially due to that episode and hearing the symptoms that Anna Brown had and so forced her friend who is a nurse practitioner to call her doctor and say no you need to treat my friend she needs to get this figured out diagnosed the blood clot saved her life that's so incredible so incredible it's just one of those things that I give the credit to our listener who I think I said this at the beginning of that episode I posted Anna Brown's story just in an Instagram post. It's a, such a sad story. And I put this, you know, basically a meme up about her. And one of our listeners said, Oh, thank you so much for doing this case. And, you know, we hadn't planned on doing it. But as a result of her comment, we did do it. And then somebody listened to it <laughs> and didn't die. I know. It's so crazy. It's so, so amazing. Crazy. So. I think the moral of the story is follow us on Instagram at they will. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's just, I love shit like that. I love I that somebody inspired me to be better, to do, you know, to dig deeper and do more and tell this person's story mm-hmm. rather than just sharing it. And it's such a sad fucking story, but it's just potentially saved somebody's life. So yeah. cool. So cool. Yes. So sad, yeah. but also so, sad. so cool. Well, just how connected we all really are, you know, hundred percent. this one thing led to one thing that led to another thing. And yeah. 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 And that's how life works. And it's such a trip. I think we talked about that two or three episodes ago. If you hadn't done this one thing at this exact moment, Mm -hmm. none of the rest of your life would have happened in the same way. And it gives you the shivers, the good shivers. Yep. So if you're feeling alone right now, if you're struggling, Mm -hmm. Just remember that this is now. It's how you feel now. It's not necessarily how you'll feel later. You're not alone. Absolutely. Even if you feel really lonely. Yep. We're together. We're yep. here together. Hell yeah. And if you can, just take take whatever step you need to take to just make it a tiny bit better. Don't get overwhelmed mm-hmm. by all the things that you feel like you need to do. Just, I always like to set timelines for things, you know, and just say, okay, if in three weeks I'm still feeling this way, I'm going to do x or y and then i also just like breaking things down into sort of actionable items so it's like okay i'm gonna sit down right now and do one part of this task and it makes you feel better right totally so anyway the world is so crazy yeah the world is crazy and beautiful and (laughs) i'm thinking about this because i'm going to go after this to our favorite mexican drive-through place and get some burritos for dinner and it was there last week. And this kid, this like teenager, probably 15, 16 years old, had a t-shirt, this like neon colored t-shirt that said, virginity rules, really big on it. <laughs> Somehow Heck I yeah. forgot about it. And then I remembered it two days ago. Good for you, kid. Man, just, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> I just love, especially teenagers that are so convicted. You know, they have just yes. such a... It just you know like i want the world to know that it's okay to be a virgin and it is it's okay yes. to be a virgin it's okay to be sober it's okay to you know just do Whatever. unpopular things yes so <laughs> <laughs> i've been channeling virginity rules kid all week <laughs> i don't know what my shirt would say but probably it's okay to feel like shit sometimes it's going to get better and the world is beautiful and 
don't drink too much because you get hung over and that make you feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> Very emotional week. Yes, it really I mean, has. it's been a very emotional <laughs> year. Four years. Four years. Yeah. But yes, this week has been. I feel like we all just keep thinking, like, okay, oh well, it's probably gonna get a little bit more normal. Nope. No, nope. you nope. think? Ha ha ha! Here's a bunch mm-hmm. of crazy shit you weren't expecting. I know. I've been thinking about giving a shout out to any parents out there that are virtually schooling their children oh my god because that shit's so hard (laughs) i can't i can't you guys i don't yeah i don't know how you're doing it yeah and he's in kindergarten (laughs) yeah you know i think i have the easiest level you know he's easy going he's into letters or whatever yeah i i don't know because my friend i mean this is anecdotal so certainly not speaking for any parents out there but i did have i was emailing with an old friend that i haven't talked to in years and she said her kids i think are like nine and eleven and she said it was actually kind of okay because they are old enough to just read and engage and do it you know on their own so right kindergarten might be way more nightmarish than (laughs) i don't know yeah i have a pretty mature kindergartner so i think i i lucked out but it's just hell it sucks and i hate it and i'm grateful for it i'm happy to have the option yes of course i'd rather do this than help spread covid but um we'd rather not have covid and just have school again yeah so if you're trying to do that you guys i'm here with you it's hard I don't know how you're doing it. Life is too hard to have to homeschool your children right now. Yep. So. I agree. Go vote. Yeah. Let's do I that. voted this week. It was awesome. Yeah. Record, record numbers. Go ahead. I did. I did do mail-in ballot. My husband brought our, what is it called? Ballots. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> our, my husband brought them to the post office to have them mailed yep. to the courthouse, which is like six blocks away. Yep. And it took nine days for them to receive it. Holy we did, shit. Yeah. We did confirm that they have it, whether that it'll be approved or not. Right. We don't know, but just a heads up that it's it taking... took, in a very Republican state, it still took nine days uh-huh. for them to receive it. Yeah. I would say if you are able to vote in person, go try it. My polling place was very, very, very safe. It's only allowing three people at a time. And that you know it makes for longer lines outside of the building but it was you know we were in and out in two minutes it was no big deal and very safe so if you can if you feel safe if that's a possibility give it a try yeah (laughs) yeah but if it's not make sure you give yourself like basically send it right now so that it gets in time yep nine million people have already voted oh my god that's just amazing yep I give the credit to this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> we have spread the good word. <laughs> oh, good job, guys. We're going to we're gonna get this done. We're hey, get rid of COVID. <sighs> Should we play a pro- podcast promo real quick? Yes, let's play a podcast promo real All quick. Right, this is the Missing Souls podcast with host Savannah Robbins. Hey everybody, my name is Savannah and I'm the host of a brand new podcast called Missing Souls. Every Monday, I'll be telling you a new case about a missing person. Some of these cases will be unsolved, but others will have shocking resolutions. 
A few episodes are already up and ready for you to listen. So what are you waiting for? Just search Missing Souls Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. I can't wait to see you there. Stay safe, stay aware, and keep searching. Okay. Any other... I've got some shout-outs, but anything before we... Nope, let's give these hot babes their dues. All right. Uh, Patreon continues to grow. We appreciate it. If you guys want to join us, we still have the event coming up soon. Yeah, 100 people. Get in there. Get in it. Do it. Uh, So thank you so much to Lori O. Lori O. Say can you see. I say outrageous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Lori O. Say can you see. Uh, that's not how that song goes at all. <laughs> Sadie hit her own head on a refrigerator today, really like, hard enough that she concussed herself. <laughs> I really did. I was cleaning my grandmother's refrigerator. Oh wait, today. no, that is how this song goes. Never Thank mind. you. I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Con- concussed. I yourself <laughs> feel like I have concussed myself with life and emotion this week. I know, but no, I stood up really hard. <laughs> my head was still inside. <laughs> My head was still inside the refrigerator, and I I'm, I hit it so hard I thought I was gonna puke, and then I saw stars, and then I was nauseous for like three hours. And then she sang the national anthem correctly. I apologize. <laughs> I stand corrected. Uh, but nothing else has worked in my brain except for the national. Is that even that's the national anthem? <laughs> Thank you to Camille D. Such a cute name. Beautiful name. Not cute. I kind of stopped saying cute. It's the worst word. <laughs> it's a beautiful name, Camille. Like the princess, right? She's a princess. I think so. Or a duchess. She should be. I know. Uh, another adorable, beautiful name, Ginger W. Yes. Very jealous of that. And thank you to Jessica S. Gotta love a Jessica. Jess jesse jessica with a k (laughs) (laughs) yeah love it we love you we love you jessica (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anything else i don't think so you guys but if you want to save lives come find us on social media on instagram twitter and facebook at they will kill check out our website theywillkill.com and email us at theywillkill at gmail.com rate review subscribe yes please thank you to aj bergantz for our our beautiful music thank you so much and remember um virginity rules (laughs) yes (laughs) yep not what i was gonna say but yes virginity (laughs) rules we love you you guys. guys goodbye 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 the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.